Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66, we're going to look at one verse this morning, verse 13, and uh, the title of the message is Victim or Victory. Today's going to deal with uh, a reality that every single one of us is a true reality for us. There is probably not a person in this building that at one point or another in their life has been affected by bad actions of another person, whether it's a teacher that was unkind to you, uh, a preschool worker, a daycare worker, that you know there's just some people that maybe you remind of someone in their life and they just from the start are not kind to you. Those can affect you growing up. The relationships, if you're bullied in school and your people mistreat you, those things can affect you. Now the question becomes, okay, well I was born into a home in my home. My family is never rich growing up. My parents were, I didn't know it growing up, but we were very poor. We did not have money. Uh, all of our cars were very, very old, either hand-me-down or bought, you know, third and fourth hand. Uh, our clothes, I never got new clothes, never in my lifetime got new clothes as a child. I never got new shoes. I got my brother's hand-me-downs. So I was a subject of bullying as a child because during my childhood, it was in 19, I remember about 83 or 84, the, my, uh, the Air Jordans came out. Remember, they were red and white. And I mean every kid almost on the planet had a pair of those shoes. I didn't have a pair of those shoes. I was in school wearing my brother's hand-me-downs. So I was the, the receiving end of these things. Now what I could have done, it's the same way as if you'd been born in public housing and you're a product of public housing. You can either be a Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, if you know who he is, was born in Baltimore, inner city, raised in the projects, and he is now a premier neurosurgeon, has run for political office, done a lot of things. Dr. Ben Carson could have said, you know what, I was born in this environment, raised in this environment, and I will always be this, and I'm just going to go out and do what so many in that environment do. A victim, or are you going to live in victory like Dr. Ben Carson did? Are you going to do what I did and allow the things that have happened to you in the past to be the catalyst with which God uses to, to transform you into who you are today. I don't have to be a victim to my circumstances and allow the enemy to define the narrative in my life and sit back and, oh, woe is me, the world owes me something. You know what the world owes me and you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's going to take from you, if anything else. The great thing that this morning is my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's what I know is real this morning. Moms, in those times that you're wrestling with those kids and you don't think that you can make it five more minutes, if your hope is not in Christ, I assure you, you're not doing well right now physically emotionally, psychologically, and even most likely spiritually. You have got to lean on him because there is nothing else this morning that we have for you. I'm excited that you're here, by the way. Visitors, it's an honor to have you here today. Thank God for you. 
I hope if you're here to encourage your mother, I pray if your mom is still alive that you are able to make her feel special today. Tell her how much you appreciate her. If she's not here today, she is not missing you. If she's in glory right now, she is rejoicing in the presence of King Jesus with no thought of what's going on here. So what you can do today is you can either bathe in grief and brokenness or you can rejoice that mom's in the presence of Jesus. Mom is experiencing joy divine like never before and never will. Amen? She's at the height of the culmination of what us as followers of Christ desire to do one day. And if you maybe had a mom that you weren't able to, to know, maybe you don't know your mother, you know what you can thank God for? That he's put other people around you that have functioned in that role. So just because someone's not a biological mother doesn't mean that they can't mother you. Same thing with fathers. So realize that. Don't sit back and buy into victimhood. Victimhood will only take from you. It never gives. It robs you. It steals from you. And it will leave you at a place where you curse blessings. It will leave you at a place where you build a dam of sin so great that the, the blessings behind that, you couldn't even imagine them because you've allowed the enemy to define the narrative. So again, I hope today wherever you're at, you might be here and God has blessed you infinitely. And as a song I shared this morning in our prayer group, uh, Living in the Overflow. If you haven't heard it, it's by Charity Gale, I believe it is, is who it's by. Great song. It's talking about living in the overflow. You know, hey, what is it? I'm drinking from the saucer because the cup's overflowing, right? You ever heard that statement? Amen. That's basically what that song, Living in the Overflow, is. God has blessed me exponentially, all of us. The, the worst day that we have, we are still blessed, church. We are. We are blessed. We live in a nation that is unmatched in human history and time. We live in the most prosperous nation on earth. Yes, the things are not like they used to be, and, and America's taken a turn from godliness and the, the blessings of God, and it bothers me as it bothers you, but we're still very, very blessed. We right now do not have to worry about governmental authorities breaking in, arresting me and, and many of you, and bulldozing the building this morning. But in many places all over the world, they are in fear of that today. And there'll be people today that are arrested merely not for speaking out against the government, not for calling a political party what it is, if it's a bad one. No, they're going to get arrested simply because they want to love Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Today in North Korea, if you're caught having a home church, if you're caught with a Bible, you are put in prison in North Korea. And friends, I will tell you, if you know anything about North Korea, it is not a walk in the park by no means. It is torturous. They are terrible to Christians there. The, the Kim family has a deep disdain for everything Christian. So be thankful today that you live in a nation right now where we can come and do this. And you know what? If your knees hurt and your back's hurting and, oh, you've got a headache this morning and you lay at home in bed, I want to promise you there are billions of people all over the globe that would do anything to trade places with you. They'd let you stay home week in and week out with your headaches and your knee and your twitch and your right arm or whatever you're dealing with. They would do anything because I know today, and I can read you the stories and send you the stories, one after one, thousands all over Africa today will walk three to five plus hours each way with threat of being attacked physically, the females, to animal attacks. You know why they're doing it? Because they want to do what we're doing right now. When we get in our climate-controlled cars this morning and drove in the, in the rain, if you drove here in the rain, and you got to ride in luxury, they walk in scorching heat on the way in the dark 
They're going to come home in the afternoon when it's pounding, blistering heat because they care about what we're doing this morning. So I hope today just those few little things will remind us of the privilege that we have to assemble this morning. The privilege if you do have a mother and had a godly mother, the blessing of that godly mother and what it means and thanking the Lord for that mother and hey, lifting up today children that don't have parents, maybe children that don't even know their parents. What about children who've been abandoned by their parents and that psychological issues that they're going to face as a result of that and the abandonment and those things and how difficult it is when, a, when a, a, an absent parent in a home, when you want to talk about the love of God, you've got to get through the whole entire concept of the abandonment before you can ever help them understand God because all a person knows when they've been abandoned is what? He's going to leave me too. So this morning, thank God for those things that you have that God's gifted us with. Thank him today that we have the privilege and the ability this morning to break generational ties and strongholds to give your family a hope and a future of not a family and a generation under bondage, but one under freedom, one that's been delivered and set free because Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Hope you found the scripture this morning. Again, it's Isaiah chapter 66, just one verse, verse 13. And if you're physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. As a mother comforts her son, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for your word. God, thank you for this privilege to assemble. Lord, allow your spirit full and free reign in this midst today. God, take blinders off our eyes. Father, give us ears to hear, and Lord, let us be obedient to not only be hearers of the truth and so deceive ourselves, God, let us be doers also. Father, thank you that your word will not return void, but will accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. Lord, hide me behind the cross today, Lord. We know man does not change hearts. God, you're the one that changes hearts. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that paid a debt we could never have paid. Lord, triumphantly rising from the grave three days later. And Lord, today, as you stand ready to forgive, to cleanse, to save, to set free, in every respect, Father, we give you glory, the praise, the honor that you're due. And we ask all this in Jesus' precious, righteous, and holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as I've been reflecting on Mother's Day and the importance of it, the importance of a mother, I really don't, I, you hear me say this quite often, a mother is the first picture of God or Christ that a child ever sees. You know, what does that mean? Well, the first picture of human interaction, you've got to recognize that child is experiencing that and developing, whether it's feelings of abandonment or the feelings of nurturing. You know, I had, man, my mom, my mom batted a thousand when it came as a child. You know, you got sick. My mother, I can remember the word, I disdain stomach viruses this day. Amen. They are in no way from heaven. Those things are straight from you know where. And I cannot stand to have stomach virus. My mother would sit there with a rag and she would change the rag out with fresh water and put it on my head. My mother was amazing like that. So I'm thankful in that regard. I got to experience a mother like that. But I know that there's others who've not experienced that. I was just as I referenced earlier with real warped mothers that did not make anything for them. Maybe mothers who were so completely absent and so consumed with themselves 
that as a child you don't even fathom what I'm saying right now, can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to have a mother like that. And I recognize those two dynamics as God laid on my heart this morning what I was going to share with you. This is the first and only point we're going to have today, and then you can just reflect on this. A mother's love should be genuine. A mother's love should be genuine. Mom, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given the ability to have a genuine love from a mother if God has given them that ability. Remember, love is of God. Scripture says that. We talked about, I think, Wednesday night, you know, it talked about love and how we, we're so warped in our culture on what people really believe. I might even mention it last Sunday. You know, when you look at the Greek and how it's so descriptive and it's really beautiful when you're trying to help people understand because you get all these different pictures of love. Because when you say, I love you, it doesn't mean the same thing. We, inflection, maybe uh, somewhat, you can pick up what someone's saying with that. But you can't get to the, with the Greek and the agapao and the phileo and the the eros and all these different forms that describe this one word it's the same picture with us and understanding the english language so confuses all of us doesn't it we park on what driveways we drive on parkways it doesn't make sense does it that's the language that we have but see the thing this morning so you've got all of these people in here and each person has unique experience with a mother you got ones in here who've had really good moms. You also have people in here with really bad moms. So how do you wade through that? How do you become a victim or a victor, victory? It depends on what you allow the Lord to use those situations to bring about. If you this morning want to be an awesome mother, do you want to do it right? If your mother did it wrong, I know statistically, if you had a bad mom and they were abusive, what are you going to tend to do? Perpetual. Why did I, I mention the generational thing? So important because we don't have to be a product of what we experience, but it takes us recognizing the implications of what happened to us and then acting on it. Acting on it. Now, what do you also deal with sometimes in families? Oh, you remind me of the old uncle so-and-so. He was nothing but old drunk. You'll only be that same thing. You remember those? Anybody ever had those things? Those are detrimental statements that can really do great harm because I know kids that sometimes go, well, that's all I'll ever be, so I'll just be it. Growing up, I don't know why, but people had, well, I was kind of a wild child, but they said, you know, you'll never make it to be 18 years old. And I thought until I hit 18 that I'd never live to be 18. I ended up owning that. I ended up believing that. There's these lies that we're told and we believe so at that moment, until I ended up waking up over 18 years old and going, wow, I can't believe it, I made it to 18 years old. The detrimental effects of our words sometimes can have big-time implications in lives. And guess what? Your love for your children, it should, it must be genuine. Genuine love for your children. How does that happen? It happens when the top of the pyramid in our life is to do what, without question, what is it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And what is the second commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. The family and everybody's in that category. Loving can only be from and by God. So mom, if you're here this morning and you have never professed faith in Jesus Christ, 
you this morning go, you know what, I've just been kind of checking out this Jesus thing, but I've never done that. You've got to get that number one thing settled because you can't love those children and give them the genuine love of God unless you are walking as a follower of Jesus Christ. You have re repented of your sin, placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and asked him to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. Then he gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. We talked about that last week. This is not God's house as much as we want to refer to, oh, the church is God's house. This church building is not God's house. I hate to break it to anybody who believes that. The temple of the Holy Spirit went from a dwelling place in the new covenant in Jesus Christ to within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Kind of profound, is it not? It's awesome. Especially when you start to try in the human perspective to comprehend we see things that, in, in the sense that our minds can grasp it. So every believer all over the globe, you ready? That has Christ Jesus dwelling in them is the singular dwelling of God. We can't get it, can we? We can worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three in one. The best descriptor for it, in my opinion, is what's on the dollar, right? E pluribus unum. We are many made one in Christ. Isn't that neat? So this morning, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, today we worship in unison, not only here, but all over the globe with every person that is a follower of Christ. We worship in unison the singular God of creation and the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. We are all one in Christ. Powerful, isn't it? So then that question is, if I'm able to love genuinely, now I can do that, how do I allow these things that have happened to me in my lifetime that I tend to follow and find myself wanting to fall into, whether it's anger or bitterness, mom, and maybe you're angry from the way you were treated and you find yourself now doing that to your kids. How do you do that? You deal with that by dealing with the issue itself. And the only way that you can move past anything that has ever happened to you is in one word. It's called forgiveness. You know what forgiveness does? Doesn't mean that the debt's been paid, by the way. You're going to have people in your lifetime that have hurt you that will never be able to, maybe they're not even alive. They're never going to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for what I did to you. I'm sorry for saying that you'd never lived to be 18 years old. I'm sorry that I said you'd be nothing but a no-count drunk your whole life or a drug addict like your mama, your daddy, whoever. You may never get that person to come up to you and say, hey, I, will you forgive me for what I said to you? But see, forgiveness isn't hinged on that. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is releasing someone from a debt and you do that with your own desire to be free. You have forgiven them. You have set them free from anything that you felt they owed you for the offense they committed against you. See, that's true forgiveness. What happens then? You have no longer any debt. You have nothing. You in no way are going to sit there. Well, when I see them, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to say something. No. When you have forgiven them, You've done what the Bible said. You've, as far as the east is from the west, you forget it. You let it go. They owe you nothing. What does that give you the ability to do, though? Before, when you have anger and bitterness, right, you have that thing that's holding on to you, Mom, 
wasn't a good mother and you're frustrated because she owes you an apology. And No, when you forgive her, you have let go any bitterness. You are letting all of that go. God, I forgive. I set them free from feelings of owing them anything. God, thank you, ready? Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven me everything. And thank you, Lord, that I'm now able to be forgiven because as the Lord's prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Amen? Whoa, our forgiveness is tied up in the forgiveness of others. Guess what? There goes any ability we have to justify our ability to remain angry and unforgiving, no matter what they, well, you don't understand what they, had somebody say that many years ago to me. You don't understand what they've done. You understand what you did to Jesus? I don't care what they did to you. Are you saying that the offense someone committed against you is worse than what we've done to Jesus? There's nobody in here that could say that, amen? Don't let the enemy, though, try to get you to justify because what he does when we try to do that is we, what? We bargain ourselves into this place to remain in a place of unforgiveness once again, drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Jim Jones, remember the old Jamestown or Jonestown thing down there in Guyana? Cyanide in Kool-Aid, might taste good going down, but it has a bad effect, right? Poisonous. It kills you. That's what bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, and all of those things are. It's us sitting back going, you know what? I'm going to kill them. And we drink the Kool-Aid waiting as we sit back for another person to die. The only person it ruins is us. You know what's really wild sometimes? Some people don't even know that you are angry at them. You ever thought of that? That's why Matthew 18 is really good. Anybody know what Matthew 18 says? If somebody's done something to offend you, go to them by yourself, not the world. Now, sometimes you want to ask your pastor, you ask a really close friend, not calling a group of friends and telling them what someone did to you. You ask that friend, hey, I don't know how to approach this. Would you pray with me on how I should deal with this? You don't go broadcasting that world, the offense that someone committed against you because then you put yourself in the wrong. When you do it, as Matthew 18 says, you're looking at a resolution and you're wanting to keep the circle of sin within the circle of sin. When you expand that, you're the one that has done an egregious offense even greater than the one done to you because you're not handling things how the Bible says to do it. And you're assassinating someone's character with the ability for them to defend themselves. So do things biblically because when you do, you're not going to allow continued victimhood. You're going to allow victory to take root in your home, your life, your family. And what you're going to do is demonstrate to people in your life that you're serious about this thing you call God's word, God's will, God's purpose, and God's plan. You just don't want to talk about it. And you're going to watch victory start to spread between people you know because when someone comes to you and says, hey, they did this to me, and you say, are you needing counsel on how to handle this? No, I just thought, I just need to get it out. You say, you know what you did? You're doing something wrong, and you're in the sin now. Matthew 18 says, you should have gone to him, so don't tell me I'm willing to go and talk to that person. I will walk with you, but I'm not going to walk with you in a continued state of sin that's going to bring you a greater judgment before the Lord than the person that hurt you in the first place. But how many times have you had someone who you found out was mad at you and you didn't even know why? And you're wondering what in the world 
if, are they upset no one's ever told me and you feel so terrible because you feel like you've been completely and utterly obliterated and have no idea that someone was upset in the first place? You know what that feeling's like? Anybody? Just me? Amen. I would assume all of you'd raise your hands if you're, right, maybe nervous about doing it. The feeling that you had when that happened to you, don't forget, when you do that, keep in mind the feeling that you had when you did that so that you won't do the same thing to someone else. Victimhood or victory? Mom, I don't think there's a person in here this morning that say, I don't want to live in victory. I want to be a victim, man. It's more exciting. I love to wake up every morning and convince myself of what I deserve and how bad the world's done me. Now look at this scripture. Mother comforts the son, so I will comfort you that, for that part of that verse 13. Do you think, as a mother, if you're living in perpetual victimhood and bitterness and unforgiveness, that you're going to be able to do anything for your son? I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll create another generation of what you are. And you know what that's going to be? Doing what King David experienced. Remember when he said, what you, remember this? What you did in secret, your children will do in broad daylight. I can't imagine, honestly, the, the shame and the ire that King David even had for himself. I really can't. I can't even imagine how broken the result of the actions that he had committed, even with just Bathsheba. Can you imagine as he sees this? Think about Tamar, Emma and Tamar, remember? Can you even imagine when he steps back, you know that he would have recognized King David wasn't a fool. He was relatively, made some bad decisions as anybody has. Not a person in here could say, oh, I've never done that. I'd hope you wouldn't be foolish enough to do that. But imagine the feeling as he's experiencing and looking back. Anybody in here ever had a child make a decision like you've made? And you're like, oh, what's wrong with you? And you're literally in your own mind, honest with yourself, going, man, I, I did the same thing. I wouldn't listen to anybody either. Huh? Yeah. It's so hard to watch that, isn't it? But see, that's what King David was experiencing. That's why I think, moms, it's so important this morning, especially with younger kids. I know you older ones when your kids are older. At that point, you've got to lay them in the Lord's hands, and you have to say, God, I can't do anything anymore. I can't even mention anything anymore. They go crazy. They get all worked up and fired up. God, I've said everything until I'm blue in the face, and they continue making bad decisions. I just don't want them to make any. Let go. Let God. You're going to victimhood yourself again. Oh, I just don't know why they don't want to do the right. Wait a second. Why don't you live in victory? What is that victory? The same thing, by the way, visitors, if you're here this morning, you have a prodigal child. You have a family member that's lost. You have somebody in your life that God's laid on your heart, and you, you don't know what to do. You've had to just give up, in a sense. No, you haven't give up. You pray. We have a prayer this morning that you can go right on this during the invitation on the end of this row. And we're praying for prodigal children, prodigal wives, prodigal husbands, prodigal family members, neighbor, cousin, doesn't matter who it is, people who are unsaved, and we're going to pray them into the kingdom. We're going to pray. We're going to do that push. Pray until something happens. What is that? They're going to be a follower of Christ Jesus, or 
they walk off into eternity and we prayed and then we just, we know God knows what happened in their heart and we are able to wash our hands free of it. But we're going to get serious about praying for these people because they mean the world. Amen? They matter. And we're going to stop praying when they stop mattering. It's never going to happen. We're going to pray until something happens. But this morning, if you're visiting, we want you to understand that. But those are the things that we have to finally let go sometimes. Don't allow yourself to become that victim, though. Don't go, I just don't understand. The kids don't want to. They just know. I know God is, is a victorious God. I've done what God's word says, and I'm trusting. I've trained them up in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. And I'm living in the overflow right now because I'm knowing that God's going to do exactly what he did with that prodigal son. And God's going to bring them home. And I'm like that father and the prodigal son. I'm standing at the end of the road, and I'm looking down that road when every day. Because you know one day that child's coming home. And that's how you pray. You pray with expectation. You get that? You're not a victim. You're not living in perpetual victimhood of, oh, I just wish they'd all do right. I've tried and I've tried. Not one of us in here has done everything perfect. You probably, like myself, could write the book on what not to do. But you know what? It's by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works. And what we do, we understand that the things we didn't do right, we lay them at the foot of the Lord in total repentance. We confess that as a sin it is. And we realize that once we have said that and we've confessed it, it is separated as far as the east is from the west. And that, by the way, means in infamy in space. They just found seven new uh, uh, galaxies with the Webb Space Telescope. So imagine how much more magnificent and unending all of space and time is. That's what happens to our sin. So then you can start praying, not as a victim, as someone who's been set free. You're praying for that child that you care about, that husband, that wife, that whatever it is. You, you know, God has laid that person on your heart. They mean something to you. You're praying with expectation because you know God's going to change their heart. God's going to send someone along their way that they're going to listen to. God's going to bring them to that place where they recognize their need for a Savior. And the love of God is going to meet them at that perfect time. And then what's going to happen? You're going to stand up one Sunday. And during a, one of our praise times, you know what you're going to say? Hey, I want to tell you something. Thank you for encouraging us to pray for that lost loved one. Because guess what? They got saved this week. God has changed their heart and their life. And imagine as each one of those, shame on you if you don't share it with us, by the way. If we're going to pray with you, we need to rejoice with you. Amen? Don't forget when you have prayer requests to share the blessings when God answers because we deserve to be encouraged. We always hear about tough situations. Share those praises when we have our prayer time on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Rejoice. Brag on the Lord. It encourages other people when they hear that God's answering prayers. Amen? That is a tangible blessing that each one of us can experience as we see God do what only God can do. But we've got to get past this victimhood. We've got to get past sitting at home, Mom, and going, what was I thinking? Kids, oh, it's killing me. No, recognize, Moms, you're the first picture of Jesus they're ever able to see. You... Whether you had a good one or a bad childhood, you can change what your child experiences. You can love them as God's... Does that mean you don't discipline them? Absolutely not. If you don't discipline, you don't love them. Scriptural, the Bible talks about that. And I, I'm getting really... The older I get, the more I recognize, man, God's Word got it going on. Amen? 
It's ironic how some people write it off as this old book of fairy tales that doesn't have power. I want to tell you something. God's Word has power. God's Word has life. Do I understand it all? No, no way. There's no way I'll ever understand it. I can't understand the infinites of God. I am a finite being. Finite means I am limited. We serve an infinite God, and He has no limits. God can and will do any and everything. And by the way, when we pray and ask Him to answer a prayer, we give Him the right to answer it how He best desires to, but also how it lines up with His purpose, plan, and will in the situation. Does that mean that he didn't answer if it wasn't answered the way that I believed it should have been? Absolutely not. It means that I don't understand what God's doing. And whether that matters or not, it doesn't matter because God never asked me at any point in my lifetime, what do you think about what I'm doing? And I assure you, he's not going to start now. Because again, he's infinite. We are finite. And he is good, he is faithful, and this morning, my question to you, everybody in here has been injured. If you've been injured by a mom, if your mom was unkind, I shared uh, maybe last week or the week before about that, I'll never forget, it's one of the most heartbreaking obituaries I've ever read in my life. And it started off with, ding dong, the witch is dead. This was the children's obituary classifying and categorizing this mother. This woman had so tortured her kids that they made this obituary one of the most stinging pieces that I've ever read. And I read it just to get a mind, just to get a glimpse, and they actually documented everything that this mother had done to hurt them. And this mother was a very warped woman. Very, very warped woman. But I remember in my mind feeling great compassion for the ones writing this. Because I can't imagine what a prisoner they are to this unforgiveness and victimhood and bitterness that they were allowing themselves, ready, to be consumed by. Bitterness and unforgiveness is like a consuming fire. It can never get enough. It will never, ever say enough. It only does when it consumes the last ounce of who you are. Do you want parents, moms, to give your children a generation. What does that blessing say? Sends the father the third and fourth, but the blessings to a thousand. Is it easy for mom? Nope. I've never been one, but I'm telling you from everything I've watched in my 48 years, listen, there's nothing easy about it. It's tough. But you have the ability to pass on blessings to a thousand generations. God's blessing into infamy in your familial, your family genealogy. What does it take? It takes waking up every day with that scripture in Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And when you wake up tomorrow, by the way, you might even have to do that during the day. If you find yourself beginning to go off track, you may have to stop Get in a prayer closet, go into a bathroom, stop a moment and say, I choose this day to serve you, Lord. I choose right now, this moment, I want to reiterate my promise as your follower. I choose this day to serve you, Lord. We are going to serve you and you alone. And right now, Lord, I need you like never before. 
God, I don't understand why I feel like I do and I'm bound in that. Get honest with God. He knows anyways. We're the ones that need to say it. Get honest with him. God, strengthen me for today. And then wake up the next day and do it again. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Who are you serving today? If you say, well, I'm not going to serve the enemy. If you're not serving the Lord, guess what you do by default? You're serving him, the enemy. It doesn't matter if you don't choose. If you don't choose by default, you serve the enemy. And I don't know, there's not a person in here to go, yeah, man, that's what I want to do. No, I don't want to serve anybody. You're going to serve him by default if you don't choose to serve the Lord. So I'd encourage you to get on the team where something positive, something awesome is going to happen that will affect not only you, but subsequent generations that come after you. Moms, victim or victory? Victim or victory? Think about that every single day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, when things are really bad, when things are so unoptimal, let's just put it in the, right, let's clean it up. The sterilized version. When things are unoptimal, the circumstances are not par for what my standards are. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 18, in all things, give thanks for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning who? No, you. Apply it to yourself. In all things, give thanks. All things. I'll never forget that. Emily left. It was a long time ago. I guess probably 2004 or 5. She had gone to take the kids up for Thanksgiving. I was in the wheelchair then. Woke up in the morning. A little bit chilly. Went outside. We had a wood-fired heater. Looked out there, and that wood-fired heater wasn't smoking. That was always a real negative indicator of things that were not well. Went out there. And it took me about two hours, but I'll never forget, right when I went out there, because, you know, things were not really good in the human perspective, right? Physically, I was not good. Back, bad, it was really bad. I rolled out there in my wheelchair, opened it up, and the, the realization that this thing has to be lit, and it was a very difficult thing to light when it was out. But I remember as I sat there, immediately 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 came up in my mind. And what I did is I just started repeating it. In all things give thanks. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I just continued to do that. And I did that and I did that the entire time. Because I knew if I didn't, I was going to have a squatter. What's a squatter? A squatter, if you have real estate, is someone who does not have a right to a property, who comes in, gets a locksmith a lot of times, changes the locks, goes in there, makes up a false rental agreement or purchase agreement, and then you've got a mess. The problem is, it's really hard to get a squatter out of your property once they get in one. So you keep them from getting in one. Mentally, I look at that the same way. We have real estate up here for sale all the time, or we don't. If you are praying without ceasing and keeping your mind on the things of the Lord, Colossians chapter 3, if you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. When you do that, you have no opportunity for a squatter to squat. So that's why it's really important, and what God helped me understand that day is the importance of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5.18 in preventing the enemy from squatting on my real estate and allowing him to have dominion in my heart or my mind, if only for that day. Moms, encouragement to you to do that. When you're not, when, when you're not tracking, guys, same thing. It's all of us. It applies to all of us. It's Mother's Day. I want to encourage moms and let them up, but I want to tell you, this applies to everybody here. Every single day, there's real estate that is potentially up for grabs here subconsciously. 
Don't allow it to happen. Don't allow the enemy to squat because it's so hard to get them out. The renters, but also the enemy. Because that, that area we give over sometimes is multifaceted and, and sometimes many levels. Incremental compromise, right? You hear me say that? Incremental means small. Incremental compromise over time is big. I'll just tell you how to do that. Just take a, um, a corn, popcorn kernel, and get a, a quart jar. Every day, just take one and put it in there. You will be astounded at how, before too long, you can fill that jar up. Now, looking at it on the surface, it just doesn't seem like that much, but guess what? A little bit every day becomes a lot. That's how you find someone who was super solid as a follower of Christ. And one day you see them and they've whatever, totally and completely abandoned the faith, left their families, living out on some remote whatever and, and addiction or whatever. And you go, how could that happen? Incremental compromise. Stop reading the word. Stop hearing from God. What happens? The power in your life, the word speaking, God speaking to our hearts, we stop hearing God's voice, what happens? We start listening to other voices. And I wanna assure you, the other voices aren't good. The other voices don't have your best interest. The other voices don't have your family, your job, and all of those other things, the body of Christ. And the next thing else you find out, it's just amazing, every Sunday morning, man, my back just locks up. Oh, I start, you know, and I know I gotta work the next day, so, you know, I'm going to stay at home. You know, my, my sinuses get real bad on Sunday mornings. For whatever reason, it started happening. And, you know, I don't want to get nobody sick. And the next thing you know, you every week, there's this perpetual cycle that's occurring. And if you're not cognizant of it and able to recognize, moms, think about your children. What do your children need to see? It's the old saying, growing up, I was a drug addict, drug to church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and every other night we were doing something. They were dragging me to church. What did that show? Growing up, it showed the importance of God always being number one. And recognizing there's times when you're genuinely sick, I realize that. But we got to be careful about the voices we're hearing. Because if we start to compromise incrementally, before too long, this chasm develops, and then we fall into the, you know what, I, I, I uh, do better sitting at home watching church on TV. Oh, well, I'm going to tell you what Scripture says, if you want to know. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't forsake the assembling. The assembling means assemble. Assembly can only happen when you assemble. We need one another. This is important. Not because of me doesn't have anything to do with me, as a matter of fact. It has everything to do with, uh, with God's structure of relationships and getting in front of each other and praying with and praying for and encouraging one another. Guys, nothing easy about being a godly man that stands for truth and righteousness and being a leader in the home, is it? It's nothing about that. Hey, you want to lead your home and want to be liked? You're never going to be a leader. If you want to be a true leader, you want to be respected, not liked. You want to do the right thing, and sometimes you're going to be at odds with people, aren't you, in leadership? Amen? Oh, me. And there's sometimes that you, God has led you in a direction, and you have to do something, and maybe you're not popular at that moment. You know what I've done every single time that God's had me lead, truly lead, when God has led? Do you realize that there's never been an issue 
with godly leadership because you know what happens when it's godly? God works in the hearts of others that I'm leading. And what he also sees is, I didn't lead them in their train wreck. You know what happens when I lead based on my leading without his intervention? Catastrophic train wrecks. Then you know, and then what happens is, the next time you say, you know that God's leading, yeah, they're like, yeah, right. So that's why it's important as a leader, as a godly man in, in your workplace, same thing. It, it it covers vast quantities of every area of our lives in leadership. Leadership is tough. There's nothing about, and if you think it's not, I don't know what fairy tale you're on or what medication you're taking, but I don't want it because I'll end up in a mess if I took it. You, leadership, you've got to recognize the magnitude, the importance of that. Ladies, do you realize with those little ones, you're a leader looking to you. Even from the time that that little one's there and they got those googly eyes looking at you, you're the first picture of Jesus they ever see. What are they seeing? And I want to ask you that question. What are they seeing? Are they seeing the reflection of God's glory? Or are they seeing a parent who's so overwhelmed with that child that you maybe wanted forever and you're only going to get one because you had trouble and you've got this one and you're, this is going to be your life. You better be careful. These children aren't ours. They're God's. And by the way, they're on loan. They're on loan. My parents experienced that in Peru decades ago. When my sister Martha was two weeks old and God took her home. Imagine, you've left everything, you've gone to Peru, to what? Serve him. You allowed our daughter to, to die on the mission field? Imagine how easy it had been as two people, heartbroken, alone, no family, down there. Imagine how easy it had been to say, there's nothing good about God. But I want to tell you real quickly, and I've said this and we'll be done. Church, had Martha not died, I wouldn't be standing here right now. My parents were having no more children because they had a son, they had a daughter. That's exactly what they'd wanted. Well, then they had another child. Who? My brother Tim. By the way, my brother Tim's going to be the supreme uh, for the appeals court. He's going to be the supreme, the, the top justice as of next month. Otherwise, he would not be alive had my sister Martha not gone home. Now tell them that in the jungle in South America 40 whatever year, 50 years ago. Be a little hard to understand, wouldn't it? But see, looking now, recognizing the same thing. What if, what if God had let them have another daughter? I wouldn't be here. They had, what did that do? Well, we're going to have, we'll have a little girl. No, God gave me. See, God's Ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And it's the same thing as a puzzle. It's the same thing as an artist when they're painting. Nobody wants to be that black streak, you know, the, the, the obscure part of the painting. Everybody wants to be the yellows and the happies and the, the, the whites and the lights and all these gorgeous reds and, that make up this beautiful canvas. But see, without those accent colors and the beauty of all those together, the picture's never complete. Mom, don't allow the enemy 
to try to define the strokes of your life on the canvas is inconsequential. They are so consequential, amen? You are not, as one potential political leader said one time, that a stay-at-home mother is unused potential. You are of God, by God, for God, and you are awesome, blessed, and to God be the glory. I thank God for you. This morning, are you a victim? No. You live in victory. Victory in Jesus, our Savior forever, who sought and bought us this morning with his redeeming blood. He has a purpose, a plan. He's got something on the cusp that he's doing. Don't allow the enemy to, to minimize or try to define it as anything other than it is. God's got an awesome plan. He's got an awesome purpose, and he's going to use you. Don't allow any of the competing voices to change or try to convince you of anything else. Stay in God's word. Listen to his speaking to you. Let him encourage you. Let those moments that you feel completely out of steam, what, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Rest in him, trust in him, hope in him, believe in him because God's word never fails. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning, Lord, for our moms. God, thank you for them. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.